In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome back to Issues Week on the Politically Georgia podcast, where we're discussing the issues, all of them, in Georgia's race for governor. I'm Greg Bluestein, and right now I'm joined by James Salzer, the AJC Statehouse veteran who knows a thing or two about budget and taxes. Hey, James, how are you? Good, good. Um, so you've been covering the budget for since Oglethorpe? Uh, a little bit after Oglethorpe. I think maybe we've been like Bullock or somebody. And he'll never say this, but I've seen um, top officials with the governor's office ask him for <laughs> his, his analysis and advice on certain issues in the budget uh, and for some context. And so he knows he knows what he's talking about when we talk about Georgia's $26.2 billion budget and how it's spent every year. And these two candidates have very different views about how to do that. Yeah, I, it was, I, st- I started looking at what programs they wanted to uh, expand or start. Um, and a few weeks ago would have been um, Stacey Abrams uh, with a you know, long, long list of things that she wanted to do, um, some expensive, some not so expensive. And Brian Kemp uh, wanting to cap spending and kind of not do a whole lot, or at least not not promise a whole lot, uh, and that's changed. That's changed very dramatically, <laughs> it's, it's very dramatically in the last few weeks. Uh, Stacey Abrams still has a long, long list. Uh, I mean, you go on her um, website and you click issues, and there's a long list of issues, and then you click those, and there's a um, there's a position paper on each one of them, um, and uh, it's it's an inter- it's an interesting read for geeks like me, because I'm I'm looking at it going like oh that sounds nice that sounds nice how much is that going to cost and some of them have price tags I think I've probably adding them up it'd be it'll be well over a billion dollars in in uh, in new spending. Um, on the other hand, she also has some areas where she would cut spending, um, as we mentioned. Uh, uh, in the past, the SSO program, private school scholarships, uh, it's $100 million savings right there. Um, she would, she and uh, Brian Kemp would suppose, would, I shouldn't say supposedly, uh, they would review um, tax breaks. Uh, I said supposedly because um, that's a very common theme um, and, a, and very seldom do they actually get eliminated because each tax break has a lobbyist attached to them. Or multiple. Or multiple, <laughs> exactly. Let's let's get a baseline to before we go a little deeper into each of the spending. $26.2 billion sounds like a lot of money. Right. And it is a lot of money. Right. But there's only a certain, only a sliver of that is actual, uh, there's there's very little flexibility. Right. You, you have formulas for all the education system, K-12, 
higher education technical colleges that um, that when when the enrollment goes up in those um, entities and the, and the enrollment always goes up, particularly in K twelve, um, it never doesn't go up because the population is growing. Costs are incurred. Uh, they they pay uh, the state funds a certain amount of money for students, each new student. Um, the other big uh, driver often is uh, Medicaid, which is a public health care system for about two million Georgians. Um, that's that. If you include federal money, that's actually the biggest uh, item in the budget. But uh, in terms of state funding, much of much of Medicaid is paid for by the federal government. Um, uh, but those are the big drivers. And if you include education and health care and a few other uh, uh, large uh, budget items, it's like seventy or seventy-five percent of the budget. And a lot of it is, like I said, driven by the population uh, of the state, the number of people who are eligible for those programs. So there's not a lot of uh, flexibility, probably not as much flexibility as candidates like to think there is because they often propose spending a lot of money and money's not necessarily there, not not necessarily available. There's usually $900 million and $950 million a year in a good economy, and that's in the growth, key word. In a good economy. in a good economy, in revenue growth, and um, House Appropriations Chairman Terry England and I were discussing this this week or last week, excuse me. He said, uh, you know, I've added that nine hundred fifty million dollars this year. For instance, six hundred fifty million is already taken up with growth in the school system and, and in public health care. So that tells you there's not a you know there's not a huge amount of money left over. Uh, for new programs, unless you cut somewhere else, and that—that's the—that's the that's the, uh, the thing. I don't think either candidate has said like I'm going to cut X program. They say they're going to review it, but that reviewing is not the same as cutting. Exactly, uh, and there's another option too. They're they're both talking about cutting and reviewing and looking at tax breaks and 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 by the way, the big one of the bigger ones is the film tax credit, which they both unequivocally oh, yeah. support. Love, so that's yeah. not that's Everybody not going anywhere. Yeah. There's another way though. Um, there's raising taxes, which neither candidate says they'll nope. do. There's yeah. also raising fees. Kemp says he won't do it. Stacey Abrams hasn't really been too um, particular about raising fees, but we've seen Republican administrations, including Governor Deal's administration, um, fund billion-dollar annual transportation overhauls in part by raising fees, including um, hotel $5 hotel surcharges that are now slapped on every hotel bill you've got. Um, so there's there's ways to do that, but if they're if they're going the fee route, we haven't seen it quite yet. Right, we haven't heard any discussion about new revenue. I, a lot of it is a lot of it involves uh, uh, candidates saying, "Well, we're going to do X, and there'll be spinoff, you know, benefits from it. It'll be more revenue because people have, you know, whether it's uh, more money in their pay, you know, bigger paycheck or X program down the line will." mean uh, fewer kids dropping out of school or, you know, better prepared for jobs. Uh, so it's, it's they're, they're projections. The last few governors have gone to fees when they wanted to, uh, in, in two cases, Governor Purdue did it um, when he had, you know, the economy wasn't good and he was facing massive spending cuts. He ended up having to spend cut spending anyways, but he went with fee increases because it is it is so toxic, particularly for Republicans, to run in a primary right after you raised you know taxes. And a lot of those fees end up targeting 
um, you know, quote unquote, out of staters. You yeah. know, they're they're either on hotels, or you know, by the way, a lot of in-state residents use those hotels too, and rental cars at airports. You know, places right. where you you typically see out-of-state residents spend money, or 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 just airports in general. A new a new tax right. on airport goods, things like that, have been proposed um, over the years as well. Stacey Abrams, let's start with her. Um, yeah, as you were talking about earlier, she has a lengthy list of things. One of the most expensive items is expanding Medicaid. Um, and we have an entire episode devoted to, to that debate. But essentially, I've seen estimates ranging from nearly $300 million to more than $500 million for the cost. Um, she says it's worth every penny of it uh, because it will help bolster the network of rural, struggling rural hospitals. It will help um, keep millions, uh, uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people right. more well, healthy. Well, I mean, the reason, I mean, the reason, that, the reason she, she can say that is... Um, it, in terms of the economics of it, is that um, the federal government pays the biggest biggest part of Medicaid. So if Georgia, say, puts $500 million, and the numbers I've seen have not been that high. I've been, I, think, I think Governor Purdue, when he initially rejected it, was $200 million. Um, I've seen 250 to 400, I think. But, but whether, say, we put $500 million, if state puts that money in, the federal government matches it at a minimum of, uh, in a typical uh, typical uh, matching, would be two thirds. So that would be a billion dollars from the federal government coming in. But I think in this case, Medicaid expansion um, under um, Obamacare, um, it, the match is much higher. So she's saying something like three billion dollars. And ironically, when you when we talk about what you would cut, one of the things she told me that that you wouldn't have a need for if you did that is the tax credit uh, for rural hospitals because there is, there's a uh, uh, there's going to be a push this next legislative session to increase to $100 million a, a tax credit that mostly, I think it's mostly companies get for um, donating uh, money to foundations uh, for rural hospitals to improve rural hospitals. Well, her argument is um, why would you need $100 million um, in tax credits for rural hospitals when they're going to get so much more if you expand Medicaid. Because, um, as I said, I mean, they're talking about $3 billion going into coming or coming to Georgia for um, Medicaid expansion. So, you know, that's one little area where she would probably cut. And her education programs are also a, a big part of her budget proposals. Right. I mean, her two biggest, her two biggest items are the child care, which is uh, which is also an education program in, in the, the way she talks about it. So a major part of her education proposal is a child is a new child care tax credit that would make it easier for, for families to, to be able to afford daycare for, for their young kids. She's got she's got things in education, for instance, all the way down to she wants to put more money into arts education. I mean, it, it's like she like I said, her. Her uh, issues papers. She's got she's got a little bit of something for an awful lot of people, I think. Yeah, and Brian Kemp, you know, as you mentioned earlier, up until recently, didn't have too many. Uh, it was more his, his his spending plan was more on what he wouldn't do, which was right. he was going to set a new cap on state spending right. that would allow for more tax breaks and lim- more limited spending. That's he still says he wants the cap on state spending, um, but that's changed dramatically with uh, with. With two different proposals, right? I mean, he it 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 would be um, it would be interesting to watch him try to get a cap on state spending, uh, which has been discussed 
uh, at least since the mid 2000s. It's been tried. Other states have this. Uh, have tried it. Have had. Have have had. Um, in some cases, have had to change it um, because it led to cuts in areas like education. But it, it's it's been something that's been discussed. But how do you how do you cap? Um, it'd be interesting to see how you cap. Uh, spending while at the same time give teachers a five thousand dollar pay raise, which is six hundred million dollars at least. Uh, do a school safety plan that I, I want to say is close to a hundred million dollars. Mm, and years. and you're forgetting um, eliminating income ta- uh, eliminating income taxes on pensions for reti- for uh, military retirees, which is uh, I think a hundred to one hundred and fifty million dollars. So. At a minimum, those three to, together are about $850 million. Um, and I'm sure there are other things that we're going to hear about in the next month. Um, they're going to come up. So um, how, how you put a two, two – will probably be a 2 or 3% maybe cap on state spending. It's based on population growth and inflation. Um, and at the same time, add those programs because each, each one of those – um, I shouldn't say that the, the school safety is not the, the school safety part of it is permanent. Uh, part of it is a one-time grant, but things like uh, pay raises for teachers and eliminating um, the permanent. income tax is permanent. So that's that's built into the budget from now on. And another big big piece of the budgetary jigsaw is both of them vow to fully fund the state's K through 12 education formula which as we know has hasn't has only done this year for the first time in more than a decade because of a robust budget. So add that to the whole budget mix and you've got a pretty tight budget for both. Right, of them. right. I mean unless and, and the, the the reality is if you're running for if you're running for governor um, if you're not running in a recession, 2010 you think about it, that was, you know, a governor deal and and former governor Roy Barnes were running middle of recession, at least a, a state fiscal recession. Um, so they couldn't promise a whole lot, but other than that, it's you. You often get a laundry list of proposals um, based on the economy being strong, um, and when the economy's not, then you're like, well, you know, uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> or, or you have to, or you end up having to cut back some of the things you're you're saying you're going to do. One more thing I want to talk about before we let you go, but um, governor's made a huge uh, part of his legacy building that rainy day reserve fund that he always talks about was was so low when he took office to more than $2.5 billion now. Um, are either of the candidates talking about dipping into that fund? Yeah, I haven't, that's a good question because I have not heard a word about that. You know, I've, I haven't heard a word about that or the massive rainy day fund that's built into the lottery, which is also really huge. Um, you know, the, uh, the next year, next fiscal year, I think the lottery is proposing um, they need an extra $80 million. And it seems like every year they need more money because there's more students, right, um, coming through the system. And there's, so there's, all, there's increasing need. But in neither one of those programs have I heard either of them say, you know, well, I'm going to take money, you know, from that. It would be easy to attack as some, someone as being fiscally irresponsible if in a good economy they – Said, well, we're going to use you know some of that 2.5 billion dollars because it's supposed to be used for um, uh, in times of a recession. If you remember in 2007, 2008, uh, before the Great Recession hit, the governor Purdue had built up a huge reserve, and um, it was gone in no time. I mean, I think it was down. They were down to a day, maybe, of worth of state. Services. I mean, the amount of money—the amount of money it would take to run state government for a day 
is what they were down to. It may have been even less than a day. Um, and it went, you know, it went just like that. So um, I, th- I think I think the consensus would be that it probably isn't um, the best of ideas to in, in a good economy to spend that money. There you go. Well, thank you, budgetary jujitsu master James Salzer for joining us. And that's all for this Issues Week episode. Stay tuned because we've got lots of other episodes for you on the podcast. You can head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia, where you'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us because we really appreciate your feedback. And as always, thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.